Mike, Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony. I have no idea where to start. There is so much going on, but even on a Friday, there is no way that Jesse Rubinoff and I are bringing Kool-Aid to this keg party. We've got a jam-packed show, as always, even with the Toronto Blue Jays postponed. As always, we will take you to Game 3 of the Leafs and Lightning right here on Sportsnet. The Canes and Bruins are on Sportsnet 360. All three Canadian series now best of fives as the Stars even up their series with a 1-0 win in Calgary last night. In fact, six of the eight first-round tilts in the National Hockey League are currently tied at one game apiece. Series tied at one game apiece. Winner of Game 3 goes on to win the series 67.5% of the time. So it's not overly important but it's pretty damn important in game three when you're tied at one agreed uh yeah mosquito in a nudist colony let me yeah, just so there's right, a lot to work yeah, with right the leafs down. and oilers both on the road tonight in tampa and la respectively do you, it's, there's a lot there right yeah, yeah no i'm a fan that's sometimes when you say things usually, you give me quotes i write them down just for future use that's one of them that's usually the, the the mosquito at the nudist colony the nudist colony is never really like the good looking people that go to the nudist colonies right yeah, it's yeah. always like, yeah, yeah, Sebi knows what I'm talking about because he's been there. You know what I'm talking about. What? I've seen those old no, documentaries. No, no, don't tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sturdy grad, look at him. <laughs> uh, we got you covered like uh, Deion Sanders. We'll put you on Revis Island. We are white. Your quest for sports news and information is rice. White on rice. Kelly Rudy coming up. Anthony Stewart, final hour. Kyle Bukaskis from Tampa. Colby Armstrong sits down with Mike Smith. All lined up for your viewing pleasure. Now, Oilers fans, Sportsnet West is going to go to curling in about an hour, which is awesome. Curling is wonderful. I always like to hurry hard. Rob Falls is my homie. But if you want more hockey, you can find us in Sportsnet 360 or one of the other Sportsnet regions. We were all fired up for a fantastic pitching matchup in Cleveland tonight. Kevin Gossman set to take on Shane Bieber, but the Jays and Guardians have already been rained out for the night. Game will be made up as a part of a traditional doubleheader. Tonight you're booing this rain out? Well, I guess it's a day off, but um, you always want Jays baseball every day, don't you? I, I, I understand the day I off. I do, but there are two Canadian teams playing tonight. Ah. And I'll take a 2 o'clock in the afternoon Jays game Fair on enough. a Saturday afternoon, hopefully in the backyard, depending on how the weather is tomorrow. Nice. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I like that. Hey, the McAuliffe backyard we, we make, party. We make chicken soup out of chicken poop here like on Kim and Friends every day, actually. <laughs> Not to worry, Gossman Bieber will still be the matchup in game number one. So the Jays finally get a day off, but they got to play two tomorrow. Still 20 in 20 for the Toronto Blue Jays. Pass the butter, kids. We're on a roll, and it all starts with my friend Jesse Rubinoff and First Things First. So let's bring the hammer and sickle, Dick Trickle. Which is an unfortunate... You've been on point. What day is this of the playoffs? Five? You've been... like, Is that the most unfortunate the name in sports history, Dick, Dick Trickle? Trickle? Nah. It's a tough... Nah, I think you can handle, roll with that no one. No pun intended. No, I think that's one that you can roll with. There, yeah. There's certain names where like, they're so funny that it, it's almost like endearing. 
and I'm a, I'm a fan of Dick Trickle. Do you not want me to show off the sweatshirt that I'm wearing? The hoodie? Oh, yeah. It's kind of hidden because you're so short, but whatever. I feel... Let me just make sure. Okay, yeah. Um, well, look at this. The I'm a friend, Tim and Friends hoodie. I like it. Yeah, that's all you. I had nothing to do with this, but you gave it to me. And I tried... I got you know, to be straight with the audience. I tried on a medium. Mm -hmm. Didn't go so well for me. Okay. So I'm wearing a large sweatshirt, large hoodie. Are you upset by that? It's a little bit concerning considering oh, really? we're, we're creeping closer towards the summertime. And, you know, that's, that's usually when you want to slim down, you know, a little bit. But the bikini body? It's, it's all bikini good. Body it's ready? all good. It's just, what, May 6th? It's all good. We've got time still. When does summer start? June 21st? <laughs> summer. I, I love how vain you actually are. What is like that you mean? come You come across so likable on this show, and you are very likable in real life, but you've got a lot of vein in you. Like you... I didn't even like Flash Zooland. I didn't do my Blue Steel or anything. You're calling me bait. You know, well, you're worried about fitting into a medium. I'm sitting over here XL all my life. Shut the bleep up. <laughs> Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. I tried on that, that, that jacket earlier today, and it fit me almost. Oh, the jacket that I'm wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I give this to you. It almost fit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. So we'll be sharing clothes moving right. forward. Yeah, there you go. Mr. Vane and me. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Uh, you mentioned it to me. Like many series, the Flames Don't and the Stars are tied at one. Anymore. After Dallas shut up Calgary 2-0 at the Saddle Dome last night, the Flames have just one goal in the first two games of the series. Are you worried about their lack of offensive production? Okay. I get it. Just one goal. We've had two games to talk about. Zero on a five-on-five. Mm -hmm. I get that there's a lot of nervousness in Calgary, especially around Johnny Gaudreau and his past playoff performances and his two shots on goal through two games. But if you haven't figured this one out already, this series is going to be tough. And it's going to be tough for Flames fans to watch. I hate to break this to you. The Stars were the lowest scoring team to make the playoffs. This is the way they play and we've watched Daryl Sutter long enough to know that he is not going to all of a sudden open it up and start playing fire wagon hockey because he's got more skill than the Stars. And I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Calgary is the better team, but styles make fights, kids. And this is going to be a fight because the Stars are happy to play Daryl Sutter hockey. In fact, it's what they do best. Man, these guys have 39 shots in two games. The Dallas Stars have 39 shots in two games, and we are tied at one. So we'll see over five or more games who's better at it. Because this thing's going to be close. It'll be nerve-wracking. But the Flames and their fans just have to have faith that they are simply better. And I believe that to be the case. Yeah, here's one of the things I want to get your, your take on. So uh, the Dallas Stars, obviously, to your point, getting a lot of credit for the way they've been hammering down defensively. But during the regular season, it's not like they were world beaters defensively. They were 13th in the league in goals against. They came into the playoffs with a negative eight goal differential. So do you think this is a team that has just figured out how to do it in the postseason? The guy that, the guy that you're seeing right now. Or it's about Ottinger, a rookie goaltender, who's standing on his head right now. Yeah, he was playing really good. And you would assume that, listen, he didn't play... Uh, a boatload. He played the majority of the games, mm -hmm. but he didn't play a boatload of games this year. And people started to see flashes. He's a former first-round pick, so you understand that there is a bit of a pedigree coming in. But I think that's the difference between maybe uh, a two-nothing series lead or at least more goals for Calgary is Jake Ottinger. I think he's played well. Whether or not you can bank on the rookie to be that good moving forward, I would suggest to you that's probably a bad bet. 
But things like this happen in the postseason. And things like this especially happen in series where you're going to play the type of games that we see in the first two, which is if you're going to play one nothing, your margin for error is slim. So if there's that bad bounce or, dare I say, that Mike Smith bad clearing attempt, mm-hmm. those things can come to haunt you in a seven-game series if you're playing it that way. So while I think that Calgary is the better team, like you're kind of sort of playing with, no pun intended, fire here. And by the way, Joe Pavelski, like that guy just never stops. That's like a perfect tip. Like those are my favorite, oh. the favorite tips. Like directly, first of all, it's kind of, it's on the ice. And then you just direct it up into the corner like that. Just sick. Where were you looking? Where were you looking? Look, look, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the, I don't know. I was, just, I was trying to. Yeah, you know. There's a couple times you've been searching for things. No, that was what uh, back in the day when I did the highlights. That's a deft deflection. A deft deflection. And there's a deft deflection right there. I agree. Uh, he, he knew what he was doing. He's done it before. He will do it again. He is Joe Pavelski. He is the dude that shows up in the postseason. So when you play as the 0-0-1-0 game, mm-hmm. then you allow yourself to have that be the difference in a game. It's just a harmless shot that Pavelski finds and deflects. There's going to be bounces, but you just have to have faith. If you're a Calgary fan, you have to have faith that your team is better. And I think that over 82, your team was better. And I think over 82, that top line scored enough goals to tell you that they will find a way to break through. But breaking through in this series might mean they score two goals in a game. Yeah. And the silver lining, I think, is that Jacob Markstrom's also playing well, which is giving them confidence that if you continue to outplay the Stars, which they are, it'll regress to the mean. 39 shots through two games. It's not a lot, but he's he, he's giving you what you have come to expect. No, from I Jacob mean you're Marshall. shutting down the opposition yeah. too, and they're not exactly the most gifted offensive squad. So you have to just think that eventually the Flames are better. Yeah. F- figure it out. Uh, so speaking of uh, goaltenders, the Pittsburgh Penguins announcing that Casey DeSmith had successful core muscle surgery this morning and will be unavailable for the remainder about this. of the playoffs. I mean, moving forward, I guess that's good for Casey DeSmith, but right now... It's not the best. It is not the best <laughs> for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No. So where does this leave them? Because you, you see... Uh, out of the playoffs. Louis Domingue, that's it. Yeah. You're jammed down on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, no, we were saying this yesterday. He might be able to... Played okay. Made a great save. Saw one where he reached out. Forget who it was, side of the net. Robbed him. Not to Smith, but Louis Domingue. This series is over. I, I Listen, Louis, I respect you. I hope you go on a run. And I would love to see it because I think the Pittsburgh Penguins have done a lot this year to see where they stand moving forward. But you, you can't beat Igor Shesterkin with Louis Domingue, can you? Like this, I, I'm not, this, I'm not, there's no rockets to this science. Like I'm not trying to be rude to Louis Domingue, but you've got a guy who's not in the National Hockey League Mm -hmm. versus the best goalie on planet Earth right now. Like, maybe he hasn't done it in the playoffs, but he's also got a few saves through three games in his playoff career, the most ever in NHL history in Shesterkin. Yeah, you can try and take him out. Which is which is which is going maybe, around. Maybe what uh, Jeff Carter tried to do last night. Which maybe not. Which is going not, around. Which is going around. Did nah, you, the, the Carter thing, I didn't think was much. No, nah, I mean, it, it, get back in the net. Like you're you're clearly trying to set a pick there if you're Shesterkin, and like where, what's Carter supposed to do? He's chasing the puck. It's a it's a penalty, but it's a two minute penalty, and that's on, like move on forward. who though? Like I, to me, this is nothing. 
Honestly, I know to a goalie, I know to all he Rangers it fans. Too. It's classic goaltender. He milked it for all of us. Completely milked it. I but I it. thought he saw Carter coming. I thought they like the Carter pick. was going to lean in because he knew that he was out of the crease. Yeah. And I thought that he laid a leg out there. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like I, Maybe at the end, he's just trying to pivot back towards the net. But eh. that leg goes out. Yeah. Right? Like, he's got the pad on. Sebi, no, the leg doesn't go out. He's bracing, too. He's bracing. Yeah, he knew he was getting hit. Yeah, I think he knew what was happening. I think he saw it coming. I think he should be fair game. You come out of the net, fair game. Well, no, because then again, <laughs> yeah, you're a, you get, you're I can't believe it. a former goalie would yeah. say that. I mean, how much fun would that be, though? Just Blown teach up him, like teach you him. knew he would. Call the crib, same number, same hood. Stay in the blue paint. It's all good, yeah. Uh, stay in the blue paint. Stay out of that because you are the meal ticket for the New York Rangers. And I think they just caught a huge break. Before we get to break. yeah, before we get to what else stood out from you on the night, uh, mm-hmm. I think Sidney Crosby, again, who we talked about the last couple days, deserves... Uh, a shout out for his first of all his goal last night was ridiculous was a third and fourth effort so he's going to do everything Crosby he can like, yeah. yeah he's going to do everything he can to keep the uh, the penguins in it scored his 70th career playoff goal tied with Steve Eiserman for 18th all time which is uh, just outstanding well he also um, had his 125th career assist which is 8th all time yeah. Passing Sergei Fedorov, who you might remember playing some pretty good postseason <laughs> hockey. So Crosby's continuing that march up, but it was it was the other Cole Harbor kid that jumped out to me last night, and that's yeah. Nathan McKinnon again. And listen, Kale McCarr got the game winner. Kale McCarr is turning into one of my favorite players in all of the National Hockey League. But I read a stat about Nathan McKinnon, who's already got three goals in this postseason, and Poor Connor Ingram, right? The, the guy the guy makes 49 saves, stands on his head, and they still lose and are still down 2-0. But McKinnon's third goal of the postseason gives him 73 points in 52 career playoff games. Through 52 career playoff games, he is third in NHL scoring in the postseason. The only two guys ahead of him are Gretzky and Lemieux. It's ridiculous. That right there is... Oh, Sebi. We've we've disconnected from the internal server. No, 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 Jesse. I'll just put it close to my... I said I could make chicken soup out of chicken poop, did I not? I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Brilliant. Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? I'm Tim McAuliffe, and I I host a show. Um, Sorry, Kevin Durant. So, how many guys in the league can do what uh, Nathan McKinnon did last night? Can we go go back to the board for one second? Go to the board, yeah. So, Gretzky, Lemieux, McKinnon. First off, holy bleep. Holy bleep. Second off, look at the numbers that Lemieux and Gretzky had through 52 games. Another holy bleep. Another double holy bleep. What are we doing? (laughs) 109 for Gretzky in his first 52 playoff games. Mario Lemieux, 103 in 52 play. I know it was a different era, but there are some kids out there. My son's looking at that and going, what? What the hell happened? <laughs> no, they were just that good. They were that crazy. And, yes, Makar and McKinnon are crazy. They're crazy. Yeah. I mean, how many guys in the league? Makar just dances, but it's different than McKinnon, who can really get going no, like that. It's him and McDavid. That's it, right? Sorry. Yeah, I interrupted you and I feel bad. Him and McDavid, but McKinnon is built for the postseason. Like, he's an absolute horse. Yeah. Like, what Matthews and and um, 
McDavid, maybe Drysaddle can do it a little bit differently, but McKinnon, and it's so shocking that he talks with Colby Armstrong, and the quote is, we haven't done bleep in the playoffs, yeah. right? Yep. Like, what his game is and how it translates to the postseason is almost perfect because he's an absolute horse, but he's so skilled, right? Like, so that to me is the part of this that, and again, remember when we were lamenting best on best and mm -hmm. how we haven't seen it? That dude in best on best playing with more skill. No kidding. His, his game just translates so well to the postseason. I think that's worth noting. No doubt. Uh, four more games on the schedule tonight, including game three between the Leafs and Lightning. You can see it on Sportsnet and CBC, starting with Hockey Central. Immediately following us at 7 Eastern, who's been the better team through two games of this Leafs-Lightning series, Timmy? You know what? The Leafs have been the better team through two games, and shockingly also the more undisciplined team through two games. Like, you just break it down five on five, and it's not really that close. Mm -hmm. Five on five through two games, the Leafs are up 5-2. Like, they have scored five five-on-five five goals, and the Lightning have scored two. It was the power plays that made the difference in game two. They scored three on the power play. They had seven opportunities, and I think that's why you see the shuffle in lines. The Leafs lead the NHL in PIMS and time on the penalty kill in the postseason. And today we heard that it looks like Spezza in on the fourth line along with Blackwell and Ingvall, Simmons and Clifford out, and Tavares reunited on the second line with Nylander, which is something that we also talked about mm -hmm. yesterday. And this one's real interesting to me on the road because I think taking both Clifford and Simmons out of the lineup gives free reign to both Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon. Mark my words, those two guys are going to be a pain in the Leafs' ass tonight. We'll ask Stewie, Kevin Bieksa, those guys would know more than me about how brave that will make both Perry and Maroon tonight. And on the road, it surprises me. I know why. Simmons took the two penalties. They scored the two power play goals. He's out of the lineup. Spets is in. But mark my words, Perry and Maroon are running around like the two bravest dudes on the ice because they know they won't have to pay the piper at least in that game, at least in game three. And it surprises me that neither Clifford nor Simmons are in the lineup. Lots more Leafs talk coming up. Uh, Anthony Stewart, Kyle Bukoskis, a lot more to get to, though. Game three between the Oilers and Kings also goes tonight. That series is also tied at one. You can see it on Sportsnet and CBC at 10.20 Eastern time, 8.20 in Edmonton. The Oilers win in game two, snapped a seven-game postseason losing streak. Did they get the monkey off their back with that victory? It feels like that was the blueprint. It feels like... The Oilers have taken the next step. The proof will be in the pudding tonight in Los Angeles on the road. But there was some nerves after game one. That's why there was all that must-win talk. And the John Madden quotes, I don't know if you watched Hockey Night in Canada, and Elliot Friedman talking to Kelly yeah. Rudy and basically calling Kelly Rudy an idiot um, and Kelly Rudy not exactly letting it go for the rest of the show. Must-wins when they're not actual must-wins. But it felt very important. And Edmonton got maybe their best playoff performance in a while. It's an interesting contrast with the Leafs in the sense that the Leafs are kind of admitting now by making the lineup changes that the physical game isn't exactly how they want to play. But you look at the Oilers and everything that they did in that first two games 
was physicality, was hitting, hitting, hitting. They did more of that than they did at any point of the regular season. So it seems like they have been able to change the way that they've been playing throughout the regular season here in the playoffs, right? Yeah, we'll have more on that a little bit later on with Anthony yes. Stewart. And we will uh, tell you just how much more hitting yeah. this team is doing and whether or not it alters chances moving forward because I think that's a real important part of this series, especially against an inexperienced L.A. squad. I know there's guys that have won cups on that team, but you look at that blue line and there are a lot of debutantes <laughs> in that group, and they were really pushing them around or at least making them pay. And uh, I wonder if that'll pay dividends down the road because it looks like, and this happens all the time, it looked like Calgary had all the momentum after game mm-hmm. one. They lost mm-hmm. game two. It looks like Edmonton has all the momentum heading to LA. Yeah, I know the, the Canadian teams would prefer to be up to nothing, but we got ourselves some, some fun series here going in the first round. Right. Uh, the Blue Jays and Guardians rained out tonight in Cleveland, ending the Jays' streak of 17 straight days with a game, which is insane. They'll make it up tomorrow as part of a doubleheader. Last night, the Jays dropped the opener in Cleveland 6-5, but it was the first time in six games that the Jays' offense scored more than three runs. Were you at least encouraged by the bats waking up a little? No, because Shane Bieber is next. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not going to be encouraged until Teoscar Hernandez comes back. Well, that That's seems it. like it's coming pretty damn close. We are hearing word that Teoscar Hernandez is, in fact, in Cleveland. Now, there was speculation that he was going to be uh, in the lineup, in the lid lifter of this series with the Guardians. But Rob Longley tweeting out, hearing Teoscar Hernandez has arrived in Cleveland and presumably will be available when the weekend series against the Guardians resumes with a Saturday afternoon doubleheader at Progressive Field. I will say this, you're probably not going to see Teoscar Hernandez return to the lineup from an oblique injury and play two straight games on a traditional doubleheader. Like, I don't think that's the way that you reintegrate him. I may be wrong. Bring him back for the second one. I may, I may be wrong. Uh, or bring him back for the first one against Shane Bieber because you're going to need all the help that you can get. But that matchup, Bieber-Gossman, that'll be something that if I get the time tomorrow, there will be some spring cleaning in and around the McAuliffe household, <laughs> but I got some of it done last week. Uh, I would love to sit with a, with a coffee on the back patio with my Rogers Ignite. Oh, Don't worry, Sabby, it's fine. I got it too. Is it, yeah, I get, oh, no, that sounded, that sounded yeah, that's brilliant. With my Rogers that Ignite. That sounded brilliant. And I will watch Gossman and Bieber go toe-to-toe because if you look at Bet Rivers right now, these are the two of the top three favorites to win the AL Cy Young. I know, short sample size. But right now, they are two of the top three to win the AL Cy Young. It's such a luxury. You know, Barrio struggles yesterday, and then you have Gossman to lean on, and, you know, you've got Manoa coming up. Just It's, it's a, a, a bit of a different thing with the Blue Jays here where you go four, at least four deep in the rotation where you're pretty confident in. Agreed. Um, it is Friday, Jesse. Oh, baby. Oh, Thank golf. It's Let's Friday. Do it. Let's do it. Early edition of Thank Golf It's Friday today. No, it's Friday. Yeah, but like early in the show. We usually do it later. Oh, it's so peaceful. I love it every time. All right, uh, controversy has been brewing for some time in the golf world. Surrounds a new breakaway golf tour, the Saudi Arabia-backed Live Golf Invitational Series. You're chuckling. Uh, it's headed up by former checking. world number one, the Shark, Greg Norman. He's the CEO. Eight events to be played in 2022. Smaller fields, which means more prize money for the players. A number of big-name players have been linked to Live Golf, including Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia. Now, Sergio playing in the Wells Fargo Championship this week. Snap hooked his drive on 10. 
Uh, you get a certain amount of time to look for your golf ball, and Sergio had some things to say to the PGA Tour rules official when he thought the search clock was started too early. Have a listen. I mean, I started the clock when you got over in the here. So, I mean, if you said you weren't searching for it, you were trying to get to the other side, then that's different. So, you said, took too long. Can't wait to leave this tour. Can't wait to get out of here, my friend. A couple more weeks, I don't have to go with you anymore. He gone, he gone, because he hadn't actually said definitively that he was going to play on this tour, but those comments would suggest that he is in fact going. So they have to issue some sort of release to players to go play on this tour from either the European tour or the PGA tour, and we haven't really had uh, public declarations right. of any, but we, we all know that these guys who... Well, Sergio's made like 30 million on the PGA Tour alone, alone. Like there's some sort of privilege going on here. And despite all of the ties that we have talked about ad nauseum in the golf world surrounding Phil Mickelson, they're all going to the money. Yeah, and it, it, there's a trend here. It's, you sort of notice that there's guys towards the back end of their career getting a little bit older in age. Most of them are over 40. The guys that have been linked are Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Kevin Na. So it certainly seems like it's guys that want to cash out before they retire. Now, Sh shockingly, some shockingly. people are swayed by money. Yeah, yeah. It's, it and is a lot of money. Way, Greg it's Norman's a lot of money. not the CEO. He's the face. He's the face. Well, he's the the, the CEO. Yeah, he's the CEO. You know what I mean? The, the CEO. CEO. Uh, it is important to, to note that Sergio is, in fact, right in this whole thing. And the PGA Tour did issue a release saying that the clock was started too early. But such as in life... Sometimes uh, mistakes cannot be rectified, and they didn't Many do anything about it. Many officials are bleeping up these days. They are, eh? Tim. Umpires, hockey, and now rules officials in golf. Come on now. Smarten up here. Yeah. Makes it a little different when you know that Sergio's right. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> We're begging you to stick around. We need the ratings. In return, though, the unofficial mayor of the borough of Scars, Anthony Stewart, will join me as we get you the latest on all the action in the Stanley Cup Finals, or the Stanley Cup Playoffs, excuse me. Kyle Bukowskis from the rink in Tampa. Up next, Kelly Rudy weighs in on the best goalie in this year's playoffs. Tim and friends, when it matters most, game day starts right here. I mean, it's a cliche to sit here and say, you have to score first to win, and the first goal is so important. But in this series, it's the law. Left play to the point. Robertson steals in front. Pavelski scores. Tipped in front. And the Dallas Stars take a 1-0 lead as the Stars even the series at 1 with a 2-0 win in Calgary. I think it's just a matter of playing hard and being smart. Obviously, uh, coming off of the loss, we want to respond and keep our hands to ourselves and you know, get body positioning, all those kind of things. It's the best time here to play hockey, so I can bring you know, some enthusiasm to the game today and have some poise. Marshawn, easy save for Gochetkov. He didn't like a little push from Marshawn, and they exchange sticks. Gochetkov knows who Brad Marshawn is, and he wasn't going to take it. This series, score first, and then yeah, you're shut right. it down. Shut it down. Tanner with a chance to bring it up. Hits Gaudreau. Gets around a check. Just offside. Gaudreau scored, but the fans didn't hear the whistle. I don't think anybody heard it. Left play to the point. Robertson steals in front. Pavelski scores. Tipped in front. 
And the Dallas Stars take a 1-0 lead. Backlund with Bonjapani. Backlund shoots. Stop. Rebound. Step by Ottinger. Composed and poised beyond his years. Here's Raffle with the empty net. Raffle scores. 2-0 Dallas. And how about Jake Ottinger? Just his second playoff start as a pro, and he stops 29 saves for a shutout as the Stars even the series at 1. The Flames and Stars even at one game apiece. Same goes for the Leafs and Lightning. That will change tonight. Game three. Coming up, following us on Sportsnet Game 3 between the Canes and Bruins will follow us on Sportsnet 360. Wild and Blues will not follow us, but it will be seen on Sportsnet 360 tonight. And at 10.20 Eastern, 8.20 local in Edmonton Game 3 from Los Angeles between the Kings and the Oilers. As always, game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. And earlier today, we sent out a question to Leaf fans ahead of game three between the Leafs and the Lightning. Jesse, set it up for those at home who want to get in on the action, and we will get to a bunch of them either right now and or with our friend Anthony Stewart a little Love later it. on in the show. Yeah, so, uh, so we asked uh, Leaf fans, what's the biggest issue Toronto needs to address ahead of game three against Tampa Bay? Um, and said, we'll get to your answers on the show today. Let's uh, sneak one in here, Colin. says, discipline, uh, Tampa going to try and push around the Leafs with Simmons and Clifford out. Uh, Leafs cannot retaliate. Uh, a lot of this, too, we did this same question for the, for the Daily Dose on Instagram, mm -hmm. and a lot of the responses Discipline, 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 stay discipline. out of the box, stay out of the box, stay out of the box. So you're getting But as a lot Colin of says, that's easier said than done, especially when you take Simmons and Clifford out of the lineup. Like, I wonder how much Tampa is going to try to push around the Toronto Maple Leafs. The, the, the key is to initiate, not retaliate. I always mm -hmm. used to have a coach that would say that. Initiate, don't retaliate. And in the first two games, and I can't believe that the Leafs have been this undisciplined through two games. In the first two games, that's all Tampa was doing, and that's all the Leafs were doing, was retaliating. They were countering what Tampa did to them, and it was interesting to hear the Leafs talk about what they were going to do in yeah. this game yeah. earlier today because all of the talk was about that. And I understand why, but you also have to match intensity, and I wonder where it'll end up. This is fascinating to me because the whole way through the season, we say, are the Leafs tough enough? Are the Leafs tough enough? And then before game one, they make the decision to put these guys in the lineup, and it's almost like they were trying to change the way that they play for the postseason. When in previous years, you've gone... No, but to be, be, be honest here, yeah. they said all along Spezza was going to get in, mm -hmm. and they've moved through, like, even Hall and Lilligren and Sandy. Like, those pieces have moved into the lineup, and when Spezza wasn't included in game one, they said Spezza is going to get in. This is what we've done all year long. So I feel like this is more what they did in the regular season, this shuffling. But you, but you said in the first block that you thought that uh, having, uh, I think, Simmons and Clifford in the lineup was sort of like a, a, a difference. It's a straight a little bit away from what they had done uh, previously during the regular season because those guys didn't play, right? They, didn't, they did not play. Uh, during the regular season as much as the Jason Spezza. So, yes, while we thought that Spezza was going to eventually get in the lineup, this feels to me like a reaction to what happened in Game 1 and 2, where Game 2, they played away. They're not accustomed to playing. 
I'm powering right through Kelly. No, no, but do you, do you know who might know more about what you're talking about yeah, than you and I? 100%. Kelly Rooney, who has joined us in the studio. <laughs> Thank you for making a walk down, Mr. Rooney. Nice to invite me in. Thank you very suit. much. See, that's why I wore this, because I noticed my co-workers coming in. Yeah. And they didn't dress up. And I want to show you guys the respect that you deserve, right? So I did the full right. full suit, tie, you look good. everything, You look sharp, right? as always. Wish I got Makeup the memo. already. I'm ready to go. I thought that you guys deserve a big-time guest oh, instead nice. of some of my co-workers. And that's, nice. that's definitely a shot at Elliot. <laughs> and or Amber, who came down here in a hoodie yesterday. I saw but, him yesterday. But I will say this. Jesse's in a hoodie. We're pretty casual around yeah, here. No, so anyway, I mean, you want to show, show up. Well, that's today, how I so. normally dress, yeah. my yeah. friends. So. Awesome. Awesome. We look sharp today, that's for sure. Hey, do you uh, do you want to jump in on what we were talking about, the, the Simmons and the Clifford being out of the lineup and how that may change the way Maroon and Perry play and whether or not you think that's, you know, I, one of the things that I hate yeah. is how much, especially in Toronto, but Canadian cities talk about fourth lines. Like, it's constant fourth lines, ins, outs, and it makes this big difference. But I feel like this one might change the way the game's played tonight. Yeah. I, I, first off, focus on uh, Maroon and Perry that you mentioned, Tim, because I don't think it'll change how they play. Uh, what they're still going to try and do is get involved, kind of like the highlights we're watching right now. Go to the, the crease and get a scrum, and doesn't matter who's on the ice. I think more importantly for me, it's uh, Clifford, though, and Simmons and taking them out because – I'm actually quite concerned about the atmosphere in the arena, Amelie Arena. It's going to be incredibly loud, and sometimes energy players, I just feel, anyways, right. it's hard to control. Like Keith said this a couple nights ago about Keith, or, uh, Clifford, that Clifford. he was concerned about it because he's a guy that has to be on the line. That's a good thing. That's a good yeah. place to play. But sometimes the crowd gets you and takes you above that level. And I've always said that you know you want to be at a high level, but sometimes you get too emotional. I know, you know, I didn't play, I wasn't a skater. Mm -hmm. But I know in net, I had to really try and make sure in a really loud building that I didn't let that affect me because I can't get to a higher level. I have to have a, be at a level where I'm relaxed and I feel comfortable. Right. And I can, if I'm at that level, then I kind of read a play. Now, it's different for a goaltender than it is a skater, but nonetheless, you can understand what I'm trying to say. But you, you have to be at a different level emotionally, and you just can't get too, too high. I, I'll give you an example, okay. guys. So during a regular season game, and when you play a long time, not all regular season games are exciting, right? So you have to sort of manufacture enthusiasm right. and, and get to that level. Get the adrenaline going yeah. yourself. That's right. Yeah. And so one of the little things I would do, it's kind of like a trick. I'd try and have a uh, fool my brain. During the national anthems, I'd look around and I'd see all the people, everybody standing, and certain anthem singers would get me, uh, you know, into it because I, I enjoy singers yeah. and all that. And yeah. so... I, that, I'd look around and certain nights where I just wasn't feeling, a, okay, this takes me to a level that I'm comfortable. But in playoffs, are the opposite. You feel all that and you have to go this way instead of this way. And so it's a long-winded answer, but there's, there's some, that's just how my brain works anyways. It's funny because um, I'm going to pivot immediately because you got me to somewhere where I wanted to end up anyway, and that was with Mike Smith because he was – Below average in game one. Yeah. He was above average in game two. And you were here in the middle of April just to prove that I listen to the things that you say when you come on the show. <laughs> and you say he plays with such emotion. He does. That sometimes maybe you can get what we saw in game one versus what we saw in game two. 
Is there any way to get a guy like Mike Smith to the point that you're talking about, even keel? No. Or when you have him, do you just have to deal with the you got to deal with it. Yeah. Mike, he's 40 years old. Right. You're not going to uh, go talk to him and say, hey, listen, love what you do, but please just bring it down a notch. That's not possible. <laughs> right. And that's kind of why, or how the uh, game-winning goal happened, right? right. He, he just... And he talked about it. Um, these aren't my words. He just talked about he tried to make something out of nothing. And with five and a half minutes to go, that's not the right time to be emotional and try and make something out of nothing. So he, uh, I love the way he plays. And in fact, I have to say, uh, there's a part of me in, in Mike because I had to play at a really high emotional level. It was draining, but you know we all all of us can't be Carey Price, where it looks as though right. it comes naturally, and you know. Uh, uh, ho-hum, it's, this job's really, really easy. It's just not that way for most players. So some people like Mike Smith uh, have to expend a lot of energy every night. And, and that's, I don't know if you watched the game last night, Ottinger is a guy to me that he's got it really figured out. He is just right. calm and relaxed. and He's a fun guy to watch. All right, let's keep the goalie conversation going. We only got about two minutes left here. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Vasilevsky, and rightfully so. When yeah. you put 15-0 after a loss in the last three postseasons, you're pretty damn good. But there was a lot of speculation, a lot of wonder about what Jack Campbell would look like in the postseason. What have you seen through two games from the Leafs, Netminder? Well, it's hard to judge after two games and give them a grade, right? right? But I would have to say first game was tremendous. That's pretty easy. I didn't think that the loss was on him uh, in game two. But I'm like everybody else. I'm a fan, and I am curious how this building is going to affect him. You know, he was terrific versus Montreal in the, those playoffs, even though he lost. But there weren't fans in the building. And, th and that's a different place, right? When you're in this building, uh, and I bring it up many times because that's what I've been thinking all afternoon. Right. How is Campbell going to react when the building's full? And I've been in that building, uh, and it is very, very loud. And he is an emotional player. He does doesn't show it the same as a guy like Mike Smith, right. but we know how his brain sort of works, right? We understand. We've watched him now for a while as a Leaf, and he's had highs and he's had lows, and we sort of understand how that affects him. So this is going to be an important game for him. I hope he doesn't to feel as though he has to outperform Vasilevsky. Just do your own job. Just don't lose the job for the Leafs or the game for the Leafs. Right. Is Andre Vasilevsky the best goalie on planet Earth right now? He is. I'm going to hesitate because uh, Shosturkin should be getting some uh, accolades yeah. for that too, right? You lead the NHL in goals against and save percentage. You're pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, Vasilevsky. There's no question about what he's done, and and uh, tremendous athlete, fun to watch. Um, I mean, look at that after a playoff loss. It doesn't get much better. 15 and zero. 15 and 0, but. Five shutouts, that's not bad either in those games. So. In 15 games, yeah, one-third. You know, when you're talking about the very top, like maybe the f top four or five, there's very little to separate. Now, you know, when you think of the success that he's had for Tampa last two playoffs, it's hard to argue, but there's a lot of great goaltenders in this game right now. And, and I'm hoping that Jack Campbell uh, is going to be one of them. Should the Leafs be – here's here's what I'm thinking – those gills late in the game where they kind of made something out of nothing and yep. all of a sudden they get one more, it would have been 5-4 late. Can that be momentum? Can the Leafs take some solace in the fact that they've scored eight goals against Andre Vasilevsky or be pissed that it's only 1-1 when you scored eight goals against Andre Vasilevsky? Well, first of all, you don't let frustration get the best of you because that's a wasted emotion. Right. So the one thing that you try and do... Easier said than done. 
It is, yeah. but also with some experience, you, you are actually quite good at moving past things. Right. And so, but I do think also you are looking for positives. So the late goals, that's something you look at and go, okay, boys, you know, the old adage, you know, you're, you might be down going 5-1 into the uh, third period. And what's the common thing everybody says in the dressing room? Let's win the third. Right? right, it's a silly thing, but it all—it's how it affects your thinking, right? So, yeah, I think it is important, but I, I think more importantly, and what I think the least mindset will be—they're super excited to be in this situation. Right. They're going down to Tampa. They have two games. It's going to be a vibrant atmosphere. What's there to be disappointed about or look back? Yeah, you know, right? that's one of the things I believe in the most. Pressure is a privilege. It is. Right. Like it, we sometimes we get in those spots and you think, oh, what, what am I going to do? And then you realize right? looking back, that was amazing to have that. Amazing. Yeah. And, and there, it's no secret why I used to look in the audience, right? Right. It, what a treasure. I grew up in Edmonton. Right. Never think I'm going to be in the National Hockey League. Now there's 20,000 people in the building. Awesome. This is pretty cool. Um, with all due respect to Little Beaver, I wore that number 16 when I was a kid. My favorite king of all time. Kelly Rudy. And I dressed up for you. And the sharp dressed man as well. Time for a break. Our Friday Fun Day continues. We'll get your feedback. Anthony Stewart, Sean McKenzie, Dan Murphy, Kyle Bukowski, all on the way. Our number two game day starts right here. Said from the start of Tim and Friends, this would be your show. And even when it's a big show like this one, getting you set for Leafs and Lightning game number three, that doesn't change. Jesse Rubinoff is in charge of your interaction through our social media at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. And I know we sent something out earlier today. We did. We went through the question already. Leafs fans, what's the biggest issue Toronto needs to address ahead of Game 3 against Tampa Bay? Let us know, and we are getting to the answers right now. Mark says, don't forget to check out the really good marlin fishing spots in the area over the next few days. Have you ever been marlin fishing? I haven't. Are no. you a fisherman at all? No, not at all. Okay, never mind. Yeah, okay. So we'll get to the next one here. Uh, Dylan, <laughs> 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 got to get pucks in deep. Uh, Ken Reed will like that. And someone other than Marner and Matthews got to step up. There's 18 skaters, and only two have shown That's up. That's not true. Brennan, that one of their $11 million players is a shell of his former self. Okay, so that's John Tavares. That's John Tavares. This is so funny because Leaf fans are doing the Leaf fan thing. Maybe it's just the overly hardcore fan, and that can be true of all Canadian cities. But what was the difference between the Leafs early and the Leafs late in the Montreal series? Like, John Tavares goes out. John Tavares is in that lineup. You don't lose that series to Montreal last year. And two games in, you're burying John Tavares. It feels like it's almost like follow the leader. I get it. He is paid a lot of money to do certain things. One of those things, one of those things is score goals and put up points. Mm -hmm. Another one of those things that you and I have talked about all year with this Toronto Maple Leafs team, their defense isn't good enough. So what did Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe tell us at the start of the year had to be different about this team. Defense. Team what? defense. Team defense. Team. So he's not just getting paid $11 million to win draws. Mm -hmm. He is being paid $11 million to win draws and be responsible in their own zone. And they're a better defensive team than their actual defenders would suggest. So what is that? Team defense. What do you think John Tavares was told at the start of this year when they said we're going to play Marner with Matthews again? 
We want you to play responsible defensively. We want you to show these guys how to play in your own zone as well. Should he chip in? Yes. Is he the reason why they're 1-1 with the two-time defending cup champs? Get a grip here. Come on, man. They are trying to get him going tonight, though, by putting him with William Nylander. William Nylander. They're yeah. trying to get Nylander going, They're too. But to who's talking about Nylander? Because Nylander scored five last year, and who told you that Nylander was skilled all along? Uncle Timmy did. Uncle Timmy told you that you need guys like that in the postseason because sometimes Marner and Matthews will be taken away. Listen, they've scored eight goals against Andre Vasilevsky, and you're killing Tavares for not scoring in two games? Get out. Shout out to Brennan for stirring the pot. Oh, you got me going. Way All to right. go. Way to go, buddy. Draw 14 <laughs> from the Coyote Tractor Champions Cup is coming up after the break on Sportsnet 1. And without the Jays today, we're also putting it on Sportsnet 1 along with West. But Oiler fans, if you want to stick with us, you can get us on Sportsnet 360 or the other regions. We'll have plenty of Oilers talk coming up. I don't know if I'll be... Fire. Actually, I might be. Colby Armstrong in conversation with Mike Smith in our second hour. Plus, we'll continue to get you set for Leafs and Lightning as Anthony Stewart joins me in studio. We head to the rinks in Tampa and Los Angeles. We'll do that all next right here on Tim and Friends. Like last year, you needed the guy in the lineup, and now you're... Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. How many folks do you think actually know, Jesse, that John Tavares didn't play in the postseason last year when they ripped it? Never mind. Thank you, Sheepdogs, back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends. A note, if you missed it earlier, Jays and Cleveland postponed tonight. They'll play a traditional doubleheader tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1. We're here with you until 7 Eastern when Hockey Central takes over ahead of Game 3 of the Leafs and the Lightning. Then the Oilers and the Kings. Anthony Stewart in studio. Kyle Bukowskis from Tampa on the way. Plus your thoughts on the Leafs and the Oilers heading into tonight. Toronto trying to bounce back from their Game 2 loss as the series shifts to Tampa. There will be some lineup changes for the Leafs. Wayne Simmons scratched. Jason Spezza drawing in for the first time in the series. Justin Hall replaces Timothy Lilligren on defense. Meantime, William Nylander and John Tavares reunited on the second line, or so it seems. Here's Sheldon Keefe on the reasoning. Like I say, it has been hard, not, not just because it's been tight checking, but it's also the five-on-five -five play has been, there's been really no rhythm to five-on-five -five play. Um, so that's impacted, I think, both John and Will, to be honest. And, and that's, again, part of why, you know, putting them together, it's a little bit easier to, to get them on the ice more consistently. You know, we'll see how the game goes. We're hoping, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I would think that both teams are going to be, be adjusting here in the series now in terms of penalties and stuff like that and adjusting to, to, to not get in such penalty trouble on both sides, which will create more 5-on-5 rhythm, but if there is going to be disruptions, it's easier to get them out there when they're together. Willie's as dynamic of a player as they come. Obviously, his, his poise and his skating ability uh, and such a dual-threat option, obviously, such a good shooter uh, that can see the ice really well. Um, so I think he's just, just such a such a good goal-scoring threat, um, playmaking ability. So uh, when, you, when you add that, that obviously adds a different dynamic uh, because his skill set's so strong. Interesting that the Leafs are trying to play as much five-on-five -five hockey as they possibly can because, well, 
Frankly, they've dominated 5-2 goals, 5-on-5 five five in this series in favor of Toronto. Let's head down to Tampa for the first time. And mini margarita, Sean McKenzie outside in the sunshine. Oh, look at this. He's in Thunder Alley. What's going on, McKenzie? How are you, man? I am doing great. You can't really beat Thunder Alley. I've been here once. I've always enjoyed it. And I will say the vibe here is always exceptional. I say it every year that I've been here at the start of the season. I've been here midway through the season. I've seen the Stanley Cup hoisted here round one right now. Tampa's an amazing place to watch hockey. There's always atmosphere. There's always people buzzing about. Inside the building is nuts. Outside is outstanding. About 500 meters from here, there's a tiki bar that apparently has a deal on buckets of Coors Light that go down extremely well after a game, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. These are things yeah. that I've heard. Okay. It is a vibe here. I, I don't know that for fact, but people have told me. I understood. So in that vibe, how much talk is about the changes that we just heard from Sheldon Keefe? I think that's the big news of the day and just the adjustments that have to be made. And I think a lot of those adjustments stem from, of course, the discipline or the lack of discipline we saw from the Maple Leafs and also adjusting to what is a different refereeing standard than maybe they expected. Sheldon Keefe said that the start of the series, it was going to be borderline violent. It's at times has been, but the referees have been calling it very tight. So I think if you're Sheldon Keefe, you look at Wayne Simmons and as valuable as he is and what the role that both him and Kyle Clifford play, you look at the way the referees are calling this series and go, okay, Okay, well, it's not borderline violent. And yes, those guys do serve the purpose of policing and making sure everything's good. But you have a guy in Jason Spezza right there who has a ton of skill itching to get in, can impact that second power play. So I think that's the big reason why you see this change. And frankly, you got to get Spezza in this lineup and you got to see what he can do. So I think whoever can adjust to that refereeing standard early on, if that still is the standard, which we expect it to be, I think will have success. Because you mentioned the five on five play. Right now, this has been a special teams battle. And whoever seems to win the special team seems to win the game so I think we'll see a bit of a different style from both teams here what's the weather like Sean oh. <laughs> I made the mistake of going for a run humble brag I run outside it's not a big deal or anything yeah. um, but I went for a run like two hours ago and then I put my suit right on and it's just been ooh, underneath here is a little toasty I don't want to give you too many details because yeah. it's you know it's like ooh. Yeah, you wore the dark. Nice. You wore the dark for a reason because if you wear the light and you and you lift the arm a little bit, there may be pit stains well, evident. What you don't know is this suit actually started out as mint green. <laughs> it was a very light suit, and yeah. now it's it looks like up. this. Uh, appreciate it. Enjoy Thunder Alley. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is Sean McKenzie in Tampa. All right, the Oilers will try to keep the it rolling after their dominant. Game two win over the Kings. Series shifts to LA. Crypto.com Arena for games three and four. That's where we find our friend Dan Murphy with more. Dan. Tim, the series has shifted to Los Angeles for games three and four. And as you might expect, after that dominating performance in game two, no changes for Jay Woodcroft. But it doesn't look like the same can be said for the Kings. It looks like. Quinton Byfield's on the outs. Rasmus Kupari is going to play, and if he does, that would be his first National Hockey League playoff game. Now, if the Kings are to hang around in this series, they need to find a way to be better on special teams. 0 for 8 so far on the power play. Meantime, the Oilers have cashed in four times on their eight opportunities. And the physicality of the Oilers was a big-time difference in game number two. Zach Cassian led the way with six hits. You'd expect that. 
but even Connor McDavid was throwing his weight around. And the Oilers feel like if they keep on hitting the Kings, that will pay dividends down the road. They're calling it an investment. So you could expect that uh, physical investment to continue at Crypto.com. Tim? Ah, I see what you did there, Dan Murphy. I see what you did there. I, I called this man in the opening block the unofficial mayor of the borough of Scars, and yet he walks in here and he steps it up even more with the Scarborough Ute hat. Anthony Stewart joins me. What's going on, Stewie? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks a lot for promoting local Jeff the Barber Scarborough the Ute. Uh, uh, nice. So you're unofficially, you're now officially a Scarborough Ute. So um, I feel like I'm honor honorary because welcome. I did grow up on the other side of the border of Scarborough. Like I grew up on the east side of Victoria Park. But you probably walked to the Beckers, which was in Scarborough every day to get your milk my, and candy. No, right? my uh, my 7-Eleven. Okay. Was there and Parkway Mall was my hood. Okay. So if you ever been to Tummy Ticklers and got the fries and gravy, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Hasty Parkway market. Mall. Shout out Hasty Tummy. Market. <laughs> Send another Hasty Market. Uh, Rizvi Electronics. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, Anthony Stewart joins me in studio. We're going to talk a lot about the Oilers. In fact, we're going to have uh, Colby Armstrong and Mike Smith coming up uh, on the show. As Stewie's going to hang around for a full hour. Thank you. For Absolutely. That, by the way. I appreciate that. So let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs and. I'm not going to start with the fourth line. I want to get there. Yeah. But the Tavares and Nylander putting them together, it feels like there's this bubbling under of Tavares needs to do more. I got a little fired up last segment. Uh, what's your take on what John Tavares has done through two games that makes this bubbling under of he needs to do more? We're talking from a hockey perspective or Toronto hockey perspective. I think if we're talking about hockey, um, you know, especially in this market, the microscopes tends to shift. And, you know, he's paid a lot of money where they're expected to bring him in and he needs to produce. But right now, um, you know, it's the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner show. And I think that's sort of the issue. When you have two or three other guys that can do it on a nightly basis, you don't really have that urgency to really do it. So I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, he's paid the big bucks. He's got to step up. But uh, for this team to be successful, I think they need everybody going because you're looking at all the other teams that have success over the years. It's not just one or two guys. You need four lines. So we're trending down now. We talked about the first and second. I'm ready to talk about the fourth line. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to But let me, hold on. Let me counter one quick okay. second okay. on the rest of it. Yeah. Like, I look down the list. Morgan Riley's got two points. Shake Muzzin's got two points. Cash's looked pretty good. Alexander Kerfoot has played some really good hockey so far. You got David Camp with a point. You got Bunting with a goal. Like, it's not just Marner and Matthews. With all due respect, the Leafs have scored eight goals against Andre Vasilevsky. That's yeah. pretty damn good well, through two games. But you talked about it last year, and, you know, when you're not scoring, what else are you doing? So I think the way, that's the way he so sort of skirts by. He's bringing other elements right. to the game. He's not right. a, a liability uh, in the D zone. You know, he's playing a little physical. He's going to the net. He is a scoring threat on the power play. So if he's just out there floating around uh, like the bag in a beautiful mind, I'd have a problem with that. But, <laughs> right. he, you know, he's bringing some elements. But at the same time, I understand this market. They want results, and they want it now. Right. And two games, listen. He, by the end of this, I guarantee you John Tavares will make an impact offensively, and I believe that he makes an impact defensively. And to be frank, four goals a game against Tampa should have you up to nothing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so uh, let's talk about that fourth line. Uh, Simmons and Clifford out. Okay, I think you're on my <laughs> side of this. Uh, go. 
you know, Spets it in and but you know, we go back in. to you know the pregame uh, pre comments before the series started. It's going to be borderline violence. And then when Clifford goes and throws his hit and gets suspended, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, what happened? What are we doing?" That's the element that you sort of need to bring. And I'm gonna you're gonna notice right now, uh, not necessarily what they're doing when they're in the lineup, but when they're out of the lineup right now. And you're gonna see Maroon and Perry walk around like they're the Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks, Fulton Reed and uh, Dean Portman. Dean Portman. And you know. These guys have the ability now to be the primary story in a game. And it's not about the fighting. It's just about neutralizing them. Right. And that's what Simmons and Clifford does. So say what you did want about Clifford. He came out there. He played a physical role. He did his job, but he neutralized those two players. And say what you want. Maroon, Perry, they're veteran guys. They know what it takes to win. And I think they're going to have a field day today. Okay, so I said the same thing in the opening segment. Then I talked to Kelly Rudy, who came in and sat in that chair and he kind of downplayed it. He said that Maroon and and Perry will be the same guys. Here's here's where I'll ask you what's different. And and Kelly admittedly said, I'm a goalie, I'm not a skater. But like when you know you might have to fight a guy, even at that level, there's anxiety. Like even if you're Maroon and 6'3, 2, whatever he is, 230, 240, depending on what day he steps on the scale, there's still some anxiety. There when is. you have guys like that on the ice, and to me, I think the same thing. I think you're going to see a bravery from Maroon and Perry that you might not normally see. And when you're talking about those two guys, that's at a different level, right? Yeah, and just putting it back into Toronto perspective, when I came into town and I knew Colton Orr and Fraser McLaren were in the lineup, I maybe had maybe half a hit. They maybe gave me a hit, and I was like, please don't give me that hit because I don't want these guys coming after me too. Right. But when the years sort of progressed and they didn't have these guys, I was running around like a madman. So right. when there's those players out there that are the deterrent, it sort of keeps the game in check because I think if this game uh, comes down to goals and assists, I think Toronto really has that element. But these guys now can really take over that game physically. Where Look at Perry. He's having a field day. This is his game, and it can really take over and distract the Toronto Maple Leafs. So just having them in the lineup, I think, really, really detracts them from playing that game. And you're looking at um, – the market in Tampa Bay, Maroon, Perry, they're not coming out of the lineup. They don't have to deal with, right. uh, you know, the, the media and this and that. They know what they bring to the team. They ride or die with this group, and I think they need to do it with Spezza, Clifford, and Simmons because all three of them, I think, have been great so far for the role that they've been given, and they've been doing their job. And don't I, ask me who comes out. I don't know. Dress 13 forwards. I don't know. Right. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand you're probably going – with uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Okay, let's let's shift gears here and talk about what Tampa did well in Game Two. And I thought at the top of the list of the things that went well were Andre Vasilevsky won obviously 15-0 after a loss in the last three playoffs, but was Victor Hedman 1A? Yeah, and you go back to that first game where he got burned uh, yeah. on the one goal there, and he just seemed like he was a little bit out of gas. And I think that has sort of been the the narrative on this group that you know they're tired, but. Again, Hedman the other night, he proved why he's one of the best, not defensemen in the league, one of the players. And I think this is the goal that really turned the tides of the game. Toronto was going out uh, into the first intermission, tied 0-0. But he's just a horse. He can play 27, 28, 29 minutes. But just it's just so tough, so tough to go to the net. And I remember playing against him and trying to intimidate him physically. And he's looking at me saying, like, we'll fight. So he's one of those guys that you win with. He's, he's a definitely great player. Like he, he might be one of the best, if not the best, in the league. Absolutely. The world. 
You saw Kale McCarr's goal last oh night, did you? Oh, no. Five minutes. That's not even that. The, 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 the chuckle is enough. The chuckle is enough. We're keeping it Toronto. We're expanding. we got to get out the bubble. When you get out the yeah. bubble, you're going to hear about some real players. Yeah. Yeah, like Kale McCarr. <laughs> All right, before we head to break, a reminder. You can vote on the next Kraft Hockeyville by using your phone to scan the QR code that will appear on your screen. We are now down to the final four. The winner will be announced tomorrow night in the first intermission of the Rangers-Penguins game on Hockey Night in Canada. Get to your voting, kids. Stewie's sticking around. Jesse's sticking around. I hope you'll stick around as well. After the break, we'll keep the Leafs talk going. Colby Armstrong's latest masterpiece featuring Mike Smith. We'll get to that and plenty more. Game day, game three, Leafs lightning, Oilers kings, all tonight on Sportsnet and CBC. And your game day starts with Tim and Friends. Presents Stanley Cup Moments. Reds keep picking it up, couldn't find it. Eiserman is turning and coming in. Another shot, score! Eiserman scores! Detroit wins the game! Detroit wins the series! And they go on! This is over! You could experience moments like this live. Enter for your chance to win a VIP trip to the 2022 Stanley Cup Final. Enter now at rogers.com slash Stanley Cup. And I'm available to go with you if you do, in fact, win. The Edmonton Oilers not only laid the blueprint for their success in Game 2, they also laid the body. I said yesterday that I thought Connor McDavid's physicality helped set the tone and brought visions of Sidney Crosby in his prime to my mind, dragging his boys into the fight. And it wasn't just me. Bruce McCurdy in the Edmonton Journal chronicled just how physical the Oilers got in game two earlier today. Edmonton averaged 22 hits a game in the regular season. Their season high came on November 18th in an overtime game against the Jets. Grand total, 39 hits in 65 minutes. Game one versus the Kings, they set a new season high with 40. And in game two, another season high with 48. Stewie, with a young decor like L.A. has, this seems like a pretty good blueprint to follow. Get physical and then cause the turnovers, especially with McDavid and, say, Drysaddle on the ice. But we just talked about it. Physicality doesn't have an impact on the series. But obviously it does <laughs> yeah. when we're talking about the Western Conference teams. And uh, I go back to as a player, um, some nights I didn't really want to bring it physically. But when you're seeing your top guys like uh, Connor McDavid, right. who doesn't really need to be playing physical, laying out the bodies, having four hits, taking a boarding penalty, that drags your team into the fight because it's a long grind uh, throughout the 82 games and into the playoffs. So when you have your top guys playing that physical role, it, it's infectious. And you're seeing guys like Cassian go out and guys like Hyman and Pugliarvi. Nurse, I believe, had five hits as well, too. So when you're playing like this, it just kills the will of the LA Kings right now. And I know they had a, a shot after game one, but when you know the Edmonton Oilers are gonna be coming out every single shift, it's, it's intimidating and it's tough to play against and it's gonna make some guys shy away, which is gonna give them the element to do what they do. And that's being a top skilled team in the league. There's a lot of guys on that Kings team playing their first playoff action. How much different was it from the regular season 
to the postseason. Well, it's totally different. And you're looking at players like Byfield, who's a young player in the league. I think he's been ran by Cassian <laughs> like yeah. four or five times, yeah. welcoming him into the NHL. So it's just a totally uh, different mindset going from um, regular season to the playoffs. And it's, it is a war of attrition. And it's sometimes you're just mentally, you do not want to do it. And it's tough to say that because these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. But you could see it in some players' games that are like, it is too hard. So it's the teams that can really have that buy-in and have that team chemistry physically. And that's why they say physicality intimidations is a big part of the playoffs. And Edmonton Oilers right now, you wouldn't think they had it in them, especially after losing last year in the second round. But they're showing this is our team concept. I think it's going to help take them a far away this year. Do you think just getting the win for Edmonton, I mean, that was a pretty high-pressure win at home you did not want to go 0-2 to LA could that be something where it relieves some pressure and you start seeing the Edmonton team that you've seen for the majority under Jay Woodcroft I think so and I think after game one I don't know if it was you Jesse they need to put in Koskinen was that you calling for Koskinen or no I don't think so no well it was Ken might have been I think it was Ken we asked the question we asked the question (laughs) or the the trophies (laughs) trophies are asking that's why they're bad but (laughs) again there's ups and downs in the in in the series and um you're going down 0-2 to LA with that crowd. It, it's really, really tough. And I think the, the the demons of the past could come back to haunt the Edmonton Oilers. So it was very imperative that they got that win. And helping it was Mike Smith, of course, a huge bounce back for Mike Smith in Game Two against the Kings, becoming just the sixth goalie 40 or over to record a playoff shutout. Recently, he sat down. Did you know that Colby Armstrong is now our intrepid reporter? <laughs> I want to know how much air miles he has. This guy's traveling. Oh I'm stuck goodness. in Toronto. He's going to he Vegas. It. He's eating food. Like, He's I got want some food. Oh, I know. I Did you see that Vegas? one in Vegas? Yeah, oh, me too. He got, he had McDavid and Dreisaitl. And then he has... Must be nice. What a leak. Nathan McKinnon yeah. today. Mike Smith, Colby Armstrong. Here's the conversation. Married, four kids, 40 years old. Story of the year right now. What's got into you? What the hell is even that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Smith! A gorgeous stop there. Great save by Smith! What a great save made by Mike Smith! I can't believe it! I said this when you got to Edmonton, but I watch you play, and uh, it's like you have like an attitude. You're like a fighter. And you're a goalie. Like, usually they say this for players. You know? like, oh, man, that guy really draws people into the fight. <laughs> I feel like you brought that to the Oilers, though. At the time when you came in, they needed some fight. you feel that importance with this team? Yeah, I mean, I think when I first came, I think you're right. I think there was maybe lacking that a little bit. Obviously, there was important pieces, you know, that everyone knows who I'm talking about. But I do have a competitive fire about me, and I think that's what's probably kept me in the league as long as I have, too. Um, and, I, and I really believe that's contagious. What's different now? What's, what's a different sauce for the Oilers? Yeah, I think, well, Woody's came in and he's a fiery coach. He just harps on details. Yeah. If there's a goal scored, you know exactly who yeah. whose fault it was. You know, probably the, the, goal, probably the goalie. But, the but, <laughs> always, but, uh, always the goalie. <laughs> yeah, always the D. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. but no, it's very detailed and the little things that get talked about all the time, why teams are successful. He harps on them every day. And it's not harped on to the point where you, you get annoyed of it. It's, it's, he's right.
Battle of Alberta, you're on both sides. Tilly under the bell. What does that mean to the province? And what, how cool is it? How cool is it to be on like, you know, now play both sides? It was strange at first, you know, when I switched to Edmonton. Uh, but I, I was kind of choked when I left Calgary. And so it was an easy transition to hate them right off the bat. <laughs> uh, you know, because I really like I really supposed to hate them. I really liked Calgary. Like yeah. as a city, I really like playing for the Flames. I loved the players on the team. And so I hated the Oilers. Yeah. And then now you're like, hey, they didn't want me back. That kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth. When someone doesn't want you, and especially my personality, that really fired. That really fired me up yeah. to, to go over here now oil country and to uh <laughs> to really want to you know stick it to them oilers but, fans love hearing this <laughs> man, that's good. but uh but i mean obviously that aside it's uh it's 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 a great rivalry kosher dishing off burns a shot speared by smith smack down low it's a breakaway to win it in overtime mcdavid scores Connor McDavid from Mike Smith, the winner! Dissect the play of the pass. <laughs> um, to be honest. You've been criticized. <laughs> you, you've made some mistakes before, man. Buddy, but... I've made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> but don't get, hey. It hasn't been easy. Hey, you don't become a puck handing goalie by doing everything right. Yeah. I tell you that right now. <laughs> but when you have the fastest player in the world on the ice, after I made the save, I just, out of the corner of my eye, I just saw him like button hook. I mean, it was just an instinct kind of play, but being able to put the puck in a spot for a rocket ship for McJesus to, yeah. <laughs> to go into a breakaway was pretty, uh, pretty cool. And then, you know, to see him celebrate like he did oh, the point and the, there, the yeah. double fist pump. Uh, I don't think I've ever celebrated as hard in a, in a game before, but uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely a special moment for sure. I'm rooting for you. Love the fire, love your family, uh, and I love the older guys. So, Smitty, get her done. Right. Have a run, buddy. Yeah, Appreciate it, Mike. Yeah. That was a man's handshake at the end there, eh? Heavy. You don't, you don't become a puck handling goalie without him. <laughs> that is that's the truth right now. Can I now. talk about him quickly? Yes. So, I was at their game uh, against Vegas a couple weeks ago. And just the intensity that he had every single save and just the crowd. It was almost like Hulk Hogan when he was doing this. The crowd was just living off and feeding off of his energy. So right. um, I don't think that can be sort of replicated through the TV. But he is, he is, he's a star in that Edmonton so market. Let me, like, Kelly was talking about how when you play at that level, it can expend a lot of energy. And I feel like maybe that leads to his streakiness. Yeah. Like, sometimes he gets going and you just see the confidence and when it kind of goes against him you see him struggle big time yeah and remember he's he's getting up there in age right, right. but again he missed a lot of the season with injuries so he had time to recover and get his body and his mind right too so it's not like he's coming in like he played 60 70 games where you're seeing a lot of these goalies were just overworked he's coming in a little bit fresh and i think that's going to be an advantage for him mm. and the oilers if he plays the way he played in game two and i'm not saying shut out but if he plays the way he played in april like, this team is a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference, is it not? I want to see the Battle of Alberta. It's going seven oh games, and it's, you know, he, he could carry them to the conference finals if he plays the way that he did in April, absolutely. Is I'm every, not knocking on wood. I don't, I'm not betting. I'm not doing the sports is, bets but is, on this. Is every Canadian, <laughs> is every Canadian <laughs> right. cheering for the Battle of Alberta to happen? Yeah, just because of the intensity. We talk about physicality, and it's just up 
even more that intensity especially in the playoffs uh, I'm buying a plane ticket and I'm hopping in there can you imagine those two barns if it ends up being a battle of Alberta. Can you imagine those margarita with... bars 500 meters away? Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, Sean McKenzie will be in those. <laughs> All right, time for a break. We'll go to the rink in Tampa coming up next. Kyle Bukoskis will be a part of the broadcast tonight. We'll get the latest on the Leafs and the Lightning next as we walk into Game 3 on Sportsnet. playoff game at home as they clinch their second consecutive Stanley Cup. The Leafs will be facing that history and what seems like it's going to be a pretty good crowd tonight as they try and retake the lead in the series. Jason Spezza in the lineup for the first time this series and he discussed having to watch the first two games. I don't think words can you know describe how hard it is to watch a game when you're a player so uh, it's difficult but it's you know part of the process of being on a team and uh, we have a great team here. We're going to need to use our depth throughout playoffs, but uh, as a player, it's it's one of the hardest things you do. All right, so here's how it looks tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels. Leafs Lightning coming up 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet and CBC, immediately following us, Hockey Central 7. That'll be followed by the Oilers and the Kings on CBC and Sportsnet. Sportsnet 360 also has the doubleheader, Game 3, Canes and Bruins followed by the Wild and the Blues. All right, I love getting into the rinks on game day because it gives us a bit of a taste of what we're about to see. That's why we're bringing in Kyle Bukoskis, who is working rinkside in Tampa. They're not quite filing in, but can you uh, feel the atmosphere there in Tampa, Kyle? Uh, yeah, Tim, I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite buildings to come to at any time of year and certainly in the playoffs. It, it really is a, a treat. I mean, it's funny. It'd be hard-pressed to kind of really sift out, okay, where are the Lightning fans, where are the Leaf fans at quick glance because it's all just to see a blue and white inside Amelie <laughs> Arena here. But uh, the atmosphere is certainly charged. It was a great crowd watching uh, the first two games in Toronto and now is. Steven Stamkos alluded to this morning, it's on the Lightning fans to kind of hold court with the series tied at one and Tampa with an opportunity to take charge here at home over the next two. Uh, as we see Leaf fans in Maple Leaf Square in Toronto, Kyle, there, there might be some Leaf fans in that building. Some of the snowbirds uh, hanging out in Tampa, staying a little longer maybe in Clearwater Beach. So I expect to see some Leaf fans there. But for those of us who haven't been there, this is kind of quietly a low-key hockey town, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you think about when Jeff Vinnick took over the ownership role here in Tampa and the amount of investment that was made in just the fan experience, whether it's Thunder Alley outside the rink. I mean, the big video board, and you can't see it, we're, we're located here in the 100 level. But, I mean, that's awesome. The pregame show with the big organ up in the corner. I mean, Sonia Bryson Kirksley, the way she does the Star Spangled Banner in O Canada is always can't miss. I just think the entire, you know, the tentacoils that go off here when the players come on the ice, they've done a really good job in creating just 
an event when you come to a game here, right? I mean, a lot of rinks in Canada, you just drop the puck and they know they're coming to watch a hockey game, but it's such much more going on down here in Tampa. You can tell that they've made that a priority over the last number of years, and of course, winning certainly helps along with that. I'm sure you know how loud that building can get. How crucial is the first goal tonight for Toronto? Yeah, probably pretty important here either way, Stewie, just because this has been a series where, I mean, I thought Toronto carried most of the play in the first period in game two, but then the late goal by Hedman kind of changes thing. And then, of course, going up 2-0 really changed the dynamic for the rest of the night. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, the team that scored first, the first two games, no surprise are the teams that wound up winning the game. So I just think, you know, interesting, John Cooper kind of has the mindset for his players. Yes, they want to feed off the home crowd, but you got to treat the crowd as kind of a, a white noise, right? There's got to be that singular focus, as Jason Spetz has said too, and just the task at hand here this evening. So with all the hoopla, everything going on around it, it's all about, of course, what's happening on the ice. And so if Toronto can quiet things a little bit and, and maybe make the, the players on the other side, you know, cast a bit of a seed of doubt if they can impose their will here, you know, perhaps that's a, a recipe for some success for Toronto this evening. Kyle, every series kind of has its own ebbs and flows. Did, did the narrative around this one go from borderline violent to how do we get five on five hockey? Yes, because, I mean, that was the big quote kind of on the, the headliner going into this series by Sheldon Keefe, right? And then also within that same answer, he had said, well, we expect a lot to be let go by the officials, and that has not been the case no. at all <laughs> through the first two games of this series. So that's really my curiosity and, and question coming into tonight is, is game three finally where we get a sense of where these teams are at five on five because I think you know almost a third of this series so far has been played special teams either favoring Tampa or Toronto so it's been difficult for the players to get into sort of a rhythm certainly offensively and so you know no question Tampa carried things in game two with their power play and it was Toronto's power play and penalty killing that carried the mill for them in game one you know I think it's been pretty even five on five not one team has dominated the other Toronto does hold the edge in goals at even strength but maybe tonight's the night where you really see you know will one team start to impose themselves over the other at even strength I'm sure you've been reading about fourth line gate down there in Tampa Bay uh, Jason Spezza draws back into the lineup what does he need to do to show that he belongs in the lineup and uh, needs to stay in the lineup well I think you know down the stretch of the season, Anthony, certainly his, his offense did taper off a little bit. He had a good finish to the year, but the offense went away. I know there's a little bit of concerns defensively from the coaching staff point of view. So that allowed you know guys like Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons to get the upper hand in terms of lineup decisions for a little while. So I think defensively, certainly he has to be responsible, but you know, you've got to find a way to generate some things at the other end of the ice too. I know Sheldon Keefe was telling us this morning that it's a big reason why he's at least starting Pierre Engvall down at the fourth line he believes he can help generate things going the other way as well and I mean you look at it five on five this series the bunting Matthews and Marner line have four goals the rest of the Maple Leaf forwards have none so if you're going to try to take a bite out of Tampa here on the road you need somebody else a little lower down the lineup to help you out and, and to provide some offense there as well and certainly I think there's an eye on Jason Spezza maybe playing a role in that. At least that's the hope from Sheldon Keefe and company. But isn't a lot of that five-on-five five success from Marner and Matthews because they're killing penalties and throwing those guys back out after the penalty has been killed? Like, there hasn't been a ton of five-on-five five action. And when you have as many commercial timeouts as we have in the game now, like, I know Marner's killing a lot of those penalties, but a lot of times over the boards comes that top line for both teams. 
Right, and so I think that's a lot, a big reason why Sheldon's going back, at least again, to start tonight, putting Tavares and Nylander back together, right? They've right. been separated for a couple of months, so he thinks they certainly, those two players, because they don't kill, kill penalties, it affected them in their rhythm the first two games of this series. And the interesting thing here to watch here tonight, guys, because Tampa, home ice, they have last change. Um, you'll think that the Stamkos-Kucherov line John Cooper will probably have them out a lot against Tavares and Nylander. I know defensively there were some issues that Sheldon Keefe saw was one of the reasons why he decided to split them up a couple of months back. Can they be responsible enough in their own end against some of the heavy hitters for Tampa to allow themselves to get going at the other end of the ice too, right? But it all comes down again. Will they get an opportunity? Will there be enough five-on-five -five play here tonight for those players to get a rhythm? Right. right. Uh, Kyle, before I let you go, uh, Sean McKenzie was on. He was talking about a tiki bar across the street that may or may not serve buckets of Bud Light. Would you know anything about any of that? No idea. Nope. Okay. I don't know. Just, just want to make right sure. back to the hotel. Yeah. Here. Understood. That, sound, that sounds really interesting, though. I may have to ask Sean about that. Understood. Yeah. Uh, be well, Kyle. Thanks for doing this, and have a great show. All right. Thanks, guys. There's Kyle Bukowskis in Tampa. There's one more gate I wanted to ask him about. I wanted to ask him about Muzzin Gate. Because remember those whispers a couple yeah. weeks ago, was he going to come back and be the same player that he was? He's calmed those whispers down with his play in the first two games. He's yeah. been playing heavy hockey, keeping it simple, playing the best version of himself. One of the things that we haven't brought up is Hall for Lilligren. Do you like that move? I think when you you lose, and uh, you lose by a couple goals, you got to find a way to mix things up. Uh, Hall, I know he's been getting dealt a bad hand the last couple weeks, but I think when he's at his best, he's a productive member of this team. Let me ask you a question. And, and because you played in the league and you played in Atlanta where maybe the market, the, the we know, the media scrutiny was not near what it is. What media? In, yeah, in <laughs> Toronto. Do you think, like, Part of me wonders, like four changes to the lineup in the first three games. You haven't played our first two games. You haven't played all that bad. D do you think that sometimes all of this focus on the team forces hands? Well, we had the elbow room factor in in Florida, but there's the media factor in Toronto where I think some of the decisions are, you know, implicated. They're sort of made by the media as well, where there's the microscope shifts every single uh, game. So I, it's not a cause for concern, uh, but I think you got to have that accountability. So I don't mind Lilligren. Lilligren's been getting out-muscled a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. Hall, I think, deserves an opportunity just based on his body of work the last 18 months. So right. I could see the media having some part of it, but not all of it. Yeah, that's the part about Spezza, too, is I think he deserves, especially the way he's played the last two postseasons, he had more goals than Matthews and Marner combined against the Habs last year. I mean, he had three goals in that series. Marner and Matthews had one, so like I understand why you'd want to get him in. I just don't know that taking Clifford or Simmons out won't open the door for some uh, well, shenanigans. Well, the saying is free, free Spezza till it's backwards, and it's backwards. Spezza's free. Spezza is free. Got it, couldn't since you understood. Time for one last break. We'll take a closer look at Andre Vasilevsky and some other key factors for tonight's game three from Tampa before handing it off. Rob McLean and the Hockey Night in Canada crew all standing by. Coming up, game three, Lightning Leafs. We continue to get you set. Anthony Stewart, Jesse Rubinoff, and me, Timothy. Caleb Stewart Rubinoff, and while it's been true that I've been quoting Ric Flair for most of the week, it's because for the Leafs, it is true. To be the man, you've got to beat the man, and the man just might be Andre Vasilevsky. Most of y'all know that Vasi is 15-0 over the last three playoff seasons after a loss with a goals against average of 131. 
a save percentage of 948 and five shutouts. But on Monday, he became just the third active goalie to 50 career wins and the seventh fastest to that mark in NHL history. The names ahead of him are the absolute who's who of tendies to lift the cup. Jacques Plant, Ken Dryden, Billy Smith, Jerry Cheevers, Patrick Roy. Sebi, did I say it right? All right, the francophone in the room says I said it right. And Turk Broda. Did I say that properly en français? Turk Broda. <laughs> uh, getting to 50 quicker than even Martin Brodeur. It's unreal. Stewie, this is the kind of keeper everyone wants in the National Hockey League. Should the Leafs be happy they've got eight on them or pissed that it's 1-1 heading to Tampa after getting eight on them? Well... You saw that list and the company that he's in. This guy is a hockey hall of famer, surefire first ballot, and he's probably the main cog in the wheel for the Tampa Bay Lightning, why they have that success. And, you know, usually when they show, you know, a goal going in or a big, big save, he's calm, cool, and collective. He's just got those eyes. He looks like Drago when he's doing the <laughs> stare down with Rocky. I must break you. <laughs> he dies, he he's just dies. looking. There's yeah. nothing in his face. It's just no mode. And so you just have that confidence. And that's sort of what shows his excellence when – your team has that confidence and he can have a bad game but you can see what happens he's one of the best bounce back goalies of all time so it's good I think that they broke him a little bit early and getting a couple goals in those uh, you know two games but this guy is a stud and if they're going to win another Stanley Cup or get out of this round it's going to rely heavily on him so I think for the Leafs right now that first goal is key they got to come out yeah. fire 14 15 mm -hmm. shots get some traffic in front of him look at his eyes right there he's just dialed in he's a top goalie for sure I must break you this is a uh... Is the two goals that the Leafs got, or are the two goals that the Leafs got at the end of the game, could that be momentum? Like, just, I know it was 5-1 and they almost made a game of it, but is there any such thing, like, you start feeling like, hey, maybe we got this guy? No, I, yeah. I scored a lot of those. Those are garbage time goals. <laughs> you know, I had a coach in uh, Florida, Guy Sharon. He's like, you're going for cookie time, Stewie. That's cookie time goals. So, I think it's something to build on, saying that, hey, Vasilevsky is human. So, yeah. it's something to build on, but from a coaching standpoint, they're treating that game like a 5-1 game. So, yeah, you have to forget about it. But that wasn't as close as the score dictated. All right. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff takes over whenever yeah. we finish this show with last call. So, Ruby, what do you got for us today on a Leafs Lightning Kings Oilers edition of last call? Well, we've uh, spent a lot of time focusing on the Leafs and the Oilers, but there are two other games tonight, and you can catch them both on Sportsnet 360. Immediately following us at 7 Eastern, it's Canes Bruins Game 3, Carolina up 2-zip in that series. That is a big, big game for the Boston Bruins. And then at 9.50 Eastern, it's Game 3 between the Wild and Blues, another 1-1 series there. So Stewie, outside of the series involving Canadian teams, which series are you most interested in? I like the Colorado-Nashville series because when you're hurt in a car, you call Kale McCarr. And he's one of those guys where he's worth the price of admission. I love my sleep. But I stay up till midnight, 12.30, to watch Kale McCarr <laughs> hurt people in a car because just his transition across the line, how he gets pucks through, and just he's, he is the future of hockey. So if there's young defensemen out there watching what type of defenseman you should be, yeah. watch Kale McCarr in the Colorado Avalanche. Dances on skates. And both those arenas are crazy environments. Too, yeah, my right? brother played in Colorado. That's, a, that's an underrated hockey loud market. It's loud in there. It's loud. Yeah. Uh, all right, Yankees players Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, and DJ LeMahieu were at Madison Square Garden last night for the Penguins-Rangers game when they were shown on the Jumbotron. Uh, they chugged their beers, much to the, to the delight of the MSG crowd. 
Tim, were you as impressed as the Rangers fan? <laughs> Look at where the beer is filled up to. It's a shot. Who gets a shot of beer at a it's game? A what the hell are they doing? What is Losers. this? Aaron Judge just made such a great impression on all of Canada when he met Derek Rodriguez and they took the picture and now they're doing shots of beer and I, I'll tell you who did this right. And we go back to Nashville on that hockey market. The Titans O-line showed up at a game and they set the bar. Taylor Luan and the rest of those guys. This is me, <laughs> this <laughs> is how you chug beers at games. Not what you saw. They're chugging through catfish. They got tall boys. It's not half look at it. Just bit it. Cracking it with what? his teeth. Like, what are we doing here with half a glass? If you're going to fake it till you make it, at least do two beers and do the Stone Cold Steve Austin yes. and just pour it in your face and make it look like you're drinking it. <laughs> Timmy loves it. What's that quote? One beer. That was two, two beers. beers. Three beers. That was a flip cup beer. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like Stone, uh, somewhere Stone Cold Steve Austin is rolling over it wherever he is. I feel like Game Ops kind of maybe screwed uh, Judge Rizzo and LeMayhew. Like, maybe give him a heads up that here's where we're going to come to you, make sure that those beers are and full. They, and they said, we're not drinking the full beers. Right. That's what they or said. Or they better ah, we'll split it that. up. And right. you'll notice that if you look at the camera, there's a camera in front of them that might not have been taken yet. And then the camera behind <laughs> that we're watching, where you see the quarter so, cup right, of just beers. Just like Judge, you just sort of like, Ugh. Just yeah, give yeah. your man card. <laughs> He's not too pressed. Yeah, no. I don't even want to be there. Uh, okay, a, a bit of controversy at Crypto.com Arena in LA this morning. Some Oilers players hit the ice for the morning skate just after 11 a.m. local time, but Arena staff refused to turn on the lights or give them the nets until exactly 11.30 when the skate was scheduled to start. The players laughed it off and Jay Woodcroft said it was a non-issue. Stewie, this was gamesmanship from the Kings, or are those just the rules? This is the game within the game, and I think both teams expect there's going to be little battles of attrition and war of attrition, and this is one of them. This takes me back to my days in the minors, and I think I was San Antonio my first year pro, and uh, the Zamboni uh, tried to kick us off the ice while they were going around and we were stretching, and Zamboni left without finishing the ice, and Steve Ludzik, Nice. He you. ran after the Zamboni driver, chasing him with his stick to get back on. <laughs> so again, it's, it's the game within the game. The players aren't too rattled by that. There has been an update. Uh, Helene Elliott tweeting out that she spoke to uh, Lee Zeidman, the president of Crypto.com Arena, regarding the situation. He said the ice crew is following standard procedure, grooming the ice for a scheduled 11.30 a.m. start. But the Oilers chose to take the ice early. He also said he had spoken with Kings executives and that in the future, the ice will be prepared for an 11 10 a.m. start. <laughs> said as a venue operator for 35 plus years, he was shocked this was an issue. It must have been a slow day as regards to news in Edmonton or he just forgot that oh, it's a Canadian hockey market. Like, that's what's up. It's a Canadian hockey yeah, market. You, you don't mess with the hometown team anywhere in yeah. Canada or you will get the heat, my friend. Yeah, really good. Okay, we're just minutes away from sending you to Hockey Central on Sportsnet ahead of uh, Game 3 between the Leafs and Lightning. We've talked a lot about these teams today, but Tim, who's the one player in this series that we haven't talked about enough, and is it John Tavares? I'm kidding about that. It's not John. Yeah. I feel like it's Victor. I feel like there's a bunch of players on Tampa who are really, really good, and they're being discounted by the Leaf fans who are controlling the narrative in this. Like. Victor Hedman was unbelievable in game two. Like, I don't know, like the goals for, the expected goals for percentage when he was on the ice in game two was 79%. Like, the, he had the goal that changed the game 
and it changed the game. Let's not forget he's standing in the offensive zone with less than five seconds left because he knows the game situation and Jack Campbell knowing the game situation leaned because he thought he was going to pass it and the presence of mind of a defenseman to wait that out and score that goal like he's just unbelievable and you and I can talk about Makar and how much I got the hockey crush on Makar. I might have a bigger hockey crush on Victor Hedman. He just does everything so well. He is a beast, and he was in our studios a couple years ago, and I'm a little thick around the waist, and I saw him, and he's walking in looking like a, a Viking. I literally, like, ran around the corner because I didn't want him to see me. Big boy. That's so good. Uh, Canadian teams have been getting creative with their travel itineraries in these playoffs. The Oilers and Leafs both drove to the States and then flew to L.A. and Tampa to avoid having to go through COVID testing at the airport, which has obviously made the trips a little bit longer. Jason Spezza was asked about it this morning. It's above my pay grade, so <laughs> I get on the bus. And when they tell me to get on the bus, I get on the plane. When they tell me to get on the plane, and as long as it all leads to the arena, I'm pretty happy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't burgers. That's 15 years ago. So <laughs> maybe 20 if we're talking junior. But uh, yeah, it just, as long as the, as long as the final destination is the hotel, that's a, that's a good good stop for us. Ah, oh, vintage Jason Spencer laugh there. Uh, Stewie, what was the worst travel experience you ever had? Well, the uh, Florida Panthers actually thought this was funny, but I got sent down I think two or three times uh, from Florida and back down to Rochester. So they actually did a segment called Air, Airplane Stewie, where I played in six different cities in six days. I went from Florida to Binghamton, flew back to Florida to Syracuse, and they actually had my face on an airplane. So it wasn't, uh, I didn't have air miles at the time, so it was definitely frustrating. (laughs) You didn't get air miles? No, what was air miles? What is that? Come on, you did six What's a credit card? Straight cash, homie. Scarborough Utes did that. So good. A little Randy Moss never hurt anybody. Uh, Listen, everyone's doing that now, right? Like, we all know that. The Jays had to do it. Every team that's visiting the Jays is doing it. Uh, they're traveling out of Buffalo. That's what they're doing. It's it's not just hockey. That's what's going on. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's not that big of a deal. Some root beers on the bus too. Usually when I played. Root beers. Yeah. No, no, Minus the root. None of that stinking root beer. That's the root. Uh, we all know that Justin Bieber is uh, one of the biggest Leaf fans out there, but the Lightning also have their own rock star super fan, Poison lead singer Brett Michaels. Michaels posted yeah. this tweet in support of the Lightning just a few minutes ago. Can either of you name a Poison song? Yeah, by Belle Bill DeVoe. That's the one I can name. Yeah. Give me Shawn Michaels at least. What year is it? 1989? Heartbreak <laughs> Kid? Um, yeah. Yeah. This is sweet I'm out of here. I, uh, I'm out of I know this. I can't, I, name I, one. Uh, I can't name one, but if he's saying. Yeah. Every rose has its own. Someone give it to me in my ear. All right, Stewie, <laughs> thank you for doing it. Do you know that, huh? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was. Of course not. No. Is that not? Is that not? Who's the uh, the other band there? Guns N' Roses? I don't think it's Guns N' Roses. That does it for us. Rob McLean and the rest of the Hockey Central panel coming up next on Sportsnet, followed by Game 3 from Tampa. We have a full plate of action for you on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Enjoy it, everybody. Rob McLean, Hockey Night in Canada, take over now. <laughs>